Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello and welcome to this episode of my podcast, Creating a Buzz About Health. Now, I've just come back from Santiago, um, where I was attending Apamondia, which is a global bee conference. It pulls in beekeepers and bee scientists, bee researchers, and anyone who's involved with honey production, honey manufacture, um, the manufacturers of all different bee equipment, all come together. And Apamondia is held every other year in a different location around the world. So this is my third Apamondia. The first one I went to was in Montreal in Canada in 2019. And the second one was actually last year in Istanbul. It was scheduled to be in Ufa in Russia. However, the location got changed because of the um, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And so Istanbul, who had previously held an Apamondia, they already had all the infrastructure in place so that they could hold an Apamondia. And the Istanbul one last year was the first time I'd ever spoken at an Apamondia. So when I first visited Montreal and I was just completely blown away by this amazing bee conference where the authors of books I'd collected, the people I'd seen on YouTube, um, all the amazing bee researchers and top beekeepers were there. And it was amazing to see them and hear them speaking live. So a bit like a pop concert for beekeepers, really. And it was great to meet up with people I already knew and we could go to different conferences and we could go out together and, and eat. And the really exciting thing about Apamondia, um, each conference, is they pull together the local beekeepers to organise technical tours. So at the end of the conference, which is normally five days, they then do on the sixth day, they do a great, um, you have this whole uh, choice of different expeditions you can do where you'll go and meet different beekeepers. So in Turkey, we went out to the forests um, just outside Istanbul and met up with beekeepers there. And that's where we met some really good friends of ours, um, or they've become good friends of ours. And this is the joy about Apamondia is you'll go to Apamondia, you'll meet somebody who you might never have met before. They're from the other part of the world. And then you meet them in two years' time or because of recent years, there's been jiggles around with, with events. And um, The next year, you meet those people again and get to share experiences and really firm friendships and collaborations are formed from Apamondia. So I highly, highly recommend it if you're interested in bees or honey that you make a point of going to an Apamondia. So this year's one was in Chile and I'd heard... They had won the bid to go to Chile at Montreal. So I knew there was going to be in two years time, which um, would have been 2021. It would have been in Ufa. That got delayed by a year and ended up being in um, Istanbul in 2022. And then the 2023 was going to be Chile. And at Montreal, they showed a little video of what the Chileans were going to offer if you came to Chile to learn about bees and and to experience the country. And there was like a 10 second snippet of bees living in a cave on Easter Island. Now, to me, that sowed one heck of a seed. 
And since I was a child and I first saw one of the big moai, the big stone heads in the British Museum, it had just always made me intrigued by the country and thought, oh, I've got to go and visit. So I have to admit, my main reason for wanting to go to Apamondia in Chile was so that I could go to East Island. And they said they were going to offer technical tours. So you could go out and meet the beekeepers on this island. So last year, I was lucky enough to speak at Apamondia in Turkey and met lots more beekeepers. And Greg came with me, my husband, and on the technical tour, we met Jodie and Ralph from Kamir Range Honey. And they're New Zealand beekeepers. They're pollinators, so they take their bees out to pollinate kiwi fruit. And they also are Manuka honey producers. And they're natural beekeepers. They work in alignment with their bees and they're just beautiful, beautiful people. And this summer they came to visit us. They came to the UK because Ralph is actually um, from Cornwall. So he's a British um, chap who met Jodie when she was traveling around Britain and working over here. And now they've gone back to New Zealand where they've been running their honey business for about 20 years. So an incredible couple. And it was so nice because we've now the third time we've met them, we met up again in Chile and we we're staying in the same hotels. We shared taxis and Ubers together and went out to eat together. So it really formed a really good, strong friendship. And I'm hoping to get Jodie on this podcast so she can share something about beekeeping in New Zealand with you. So this episode was really to explain what is Apamondia and a little bit about Chile and a little bit about our experience. So we went there end of August. We had a couple of days before the conference started and we used that time to really get an idea of Santiago. Neither Greg or I are city people and Santiago is a massive, massive city. It's also in this, this sort of a plateau, a sort of a valley surrounded by mountains. So you have a range of mountains, the Andes, and then you have another range of mountains which protect um, Santiago from the coast. So you really are in this bowl. So that does mean it's got quite bad pollution. And we went there, you know, end of August, beginning of September. It's actually the very beginning of their spring. So it's cold, wet, miserable. <laughs> and to go there when Britain then went into a heat wave was a little bit tricky. But luckily we were prepared. We had the right clothing. We were ready for a sort of early spring trip. Now, the first thing we did, because we'd arrived early in the morning, you know, about eight o'clock in the morning, we got a taxi to our hotel and we couldn't go to our room yet. So we had to try and stay awake. You know, when you travel around the world and you're like, oh, I've got to try and stay awake until their bedtime. And we'd been watching some YouTube videos about what to do when you're in Santiago. And one of the things that looked quite fun, which you only really do if you're a tourist, is they have these hop on, hop off bus tours. So we did that. It's a red double decker bus, so like a London bus. And it goes around Santiago City. It takes about two hours. If you don't get off the bus, it's a two hour trip. But you can get off wherever you want. And because we had to stay awake and we had no idea where we were in the city and we really wanted to orientate ourselves, we bought a two day ticket and it included the gondolas and the vernacular railway um, at um, San Cristobal, which is no, not San Cristobal. Or maybe it was San Cristobal. Anyway, there's a, a hill, um, a, a sort of series of hills in the centre of Santiago, where they've got a church on top of the hill and you can go up these gondolas and you come down and then you can get back on the bus and do another tour. So we did that. And that was a really great way to 
have an idea of where everything was. Now, I've got a really, really good sense of direction. However, when I go to the Southern Hemisphere, it really does throw me out. Um, and I don't quite know where, where I am. So I really did struggle. And where our conference was, was not walking distance. And normally when I go somewhere for a conference, I like to be able to walk to the um, to the conference because it's just less stressful. Um, if you're traveling around and particularly in Chile, you've got to be careful with taxis. You really have to book them through your hotel or through an official at the airport. You, it's not safe to just go and sort of flag down a taxi on the street. So the hop on hop off bus was brilliant and um, it did give us an idea of, of where we were. And then on the second night, or actually no, the second day, our friends Jodie and Ralph arrived and they'd gone to Easter Island or Rapa Nui before the conference. We couldn't all tie up our dates because they need to get back to New Zealand because it's the bee season is starting now. They need to prepare their hives for pollination. And um, so they'd gone to Rapa Nui first. So we met on our second day in Santiago and we went round the bus together and we stopped off places and had a walk around and, and it was really great. And then in the evening, we went up the tallest tower. There's a central tower, which is the tallest building in South America. So we went up the tower. It's recommended you go there an hour before sunset. So we did. And it was amazing it was just so beautiful the sun came out so we actually saw a sunset so despite having sort of fog and mist and rain we actually had an amazing view and we could see the conference center over the mountains um so we could see where we had to go we could we could get a grasp orientate ourselves so we knew where we were going and then Greg and I, because we had a bit of time that afternoon, we'd got an Uber to go over to the conference centre so that we really knew where it was. We knew how long it would take and that we'd registered because there was 4000 delegates going to Appamondia. And if you're all trying to register at the same time, it can be a bit chaotic. So it was nice to be a little bit ahead of the game and we could orientate ourselves. So that was our bit of fun in Santiago. And then once the conference starts, you are just full on B conference. There were um, three rooms upstairs and two rooms downstairs, which were conference halls. So at the opening ceremony, you had everybody in one big hall and then they divided the big hall into three so that throughout the rest of the conference, you've got an extra um, two rooms where you could have lectures. So there's a scientific program and the brochure I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see this is how thick the brochure is. And this just shows all the different talks that were going on at any one time. And the way they organize it is sessions. So they have sections of um, different themes. So you have um, different sort of scientific committees. So you have the apotherapy, you have bee biology, <coughs> you have beekeeping economy, Beekeeping for Rural Deve Development, which is the um, scientific section that I was speaking for. Bee health, beekeeping technology and quality, pollination and bee flora. And um, you have all these scientific sections are organising sessions with different speakers constantly for the it's four days of, of speaking. Um, so the first day is just the opening ceremony and the expo, which is this 
incredible big hall where you've got local honey producers, you've had honey producers from all over Chile, and then you have global um, sort of sections from people in different parts of the world. There was a China delegation, there was Brazil, there was Argentina. Um, and then we had the big manufacturers of beekeeping equipment. They were all there and the World um, Beekeeping Awards. So the World Beekeeping Awards, where people from all around the world can enter their honey, they can enter beeswax, they can enter any new design of products, all these things that they've produced that have some relevance to beekeeping and they're judged. So to win a beekeeping, a World Beekeeping Award is really something. And there were quite a few people that I knew who were coming in to judge the honeys. So I was speaking, not judging, but it was lovely to see um, quite a few, you know, Marina Marquez and um, uh, Madvi, who is from, um, um, she has honey from Madagascar, but she actually lives in, um, oh gosh, the Maldives, not the Maldives, or maybe it's the Maldives, not Seychelles, Maldives. Um, so she's a beekeeper who travels all around the Indian Ocean collecting honeys. So she was there judging. And then Victoria, who's from Sweden, who was part of the delegation for the next Appermondia, where Sweden, Denmark and Norway have all clubbed together and they're going to hold it in 2025 in Copenhagen. So it's very exciting that, you know, over time you get to meet more and more people. And although we're all spread out over the world, this conference brings everyone together. So I was really, really honoured to be doing two talks in the Bees for Rural Development. And then I was also doing two talks in the apitherapy section on behalf of James Fernley. So I did a talk about the bee arc and then I did a talk about um, propolis and three dimensional medicine. So I was very honoured to be really part of it. And it was great for people that I'd met in the past to then learn a bit more about my work. So my first presentation was about um, how to work with native pollinators. The second one was about a bit more spiritual about um, how the bees expand according to Fibonacci sequence. And for me, it was the highlight. So my second talk, because I'd sat through the other speakers, there was a lot of indigenous people from um, Colombia, from Peru. There's projects in India, projects in um, America, North America, where they were sharing their work with the bees. And when I do a talk, I have slides, but I use them as a trigger. I don't, you know, read through the slides. So it means that I can I can work with the audience. I can get a vibe for what the atmosphere is. I can refer to what else has been spoken about before me. And I can really, um, I feel I can match the energy of the room. So when I did my second talk, I really felt I had the confidence then to talk more about the spirituality of bees. And as I started my talk, I had what for many people would be your worst nightmare if you're doing public speaking in front of an audience of probably 500 people. And I'm on a stage. I'd already done one presentation. We'd listened to another two. And everything is very strictly timed. So you've really got to keep to your time. And my second presentation began. And although I know my slides, I do have a bit of overlap, but I try and have a different slide for the beginning. But you do get a bit confused because when you've gone through it and you see it, you just go on to sort of autopilot. And so my second presentation came up and I looked at it and then I started to think, hang on, I've seen this one before. I think this is the wrong one. And what had actually happened was they had repeated my first slide deck. 
So I had to say, I'm sorry, this isn't my slide presentation. This is the wrong one. Can you find the other one? And what surprised me was, first of all, how calm I was able to be during this experience. And the audience were with me. I could tell that so many people were like, oh, my gosh, how awful, how awful to be on stage. But because I knew of the time and the person before me had run over a bit and so we were trying to keep up time. So I knew there was pressure for me to be on time. But now they had to change my slides. So I knew that would take a few minutes. And it's not enjoyable for anyone, especially me, to be stood doing nothing on a stage with all eyes on you. So I took the opportunity to think, well, I can give them a bit of background now because they've already heard one aspect of my work with working with the native pollinators to pollinate apples, cider apples and flowers and garden flowers. But they don't know about my journey. So I was able to go, right, well, while we wait for the slides to change, I'm just going to share about a bit about how I wasn't always a beekeeper and how I got into bees. And it was perfect because I've shared that story so many times. I could share it in two minutes. And by the time I think I'd sort of got the point across or expressed what I was doing and engaged the audience, and then the right slides came up. So then I could go into the talk. And that was really, really special. I felt very relieved that, um, you know, the right slides came up and I was able to go in the flow. I'd had that sort of warm up. And I think when you've, whenever you get on stage, that first bit that you have to talk about can be quite difficult. And if you haven't rehearsed the first few lines, if you're going to get up there, you've got to be careful you don't waffle. You need to be really clear about how you're starting. So it was really great because I'd warmed up the audience. There were translators. So all the Spanish in the audience had headphones on and they were getting a, a live translation as I spoke. So I was able to do the second talk. So because I'd warmed up, because I'd already done a talk, because I'd warmed up the audience, they now knew a bit about my history. And I'd already shared that I'd been very ill. So that then meant I could talk a bit more about the spirituality of bees. And because I was aware of all the people who I know work spiritually with bees, I just went for it. And I just shared about plants being the skin of the planet, about plants communicating with bees using electrical fields and about bees having a different frequency. And I was to share all these things I'm passionate about, but they still tied in with my slides. But I just went a bit deeper. And at the end of the talk, it was the end of the session. So that was great because everyone could just clap. So whether they were clapping with relief, it was the end of the session or because they enjoyed my talk. But, it, you know, it was the end and I had a, a great round of applause. But then what was quite unexpected was I was then swamped with people who I so admire. There were so many Indigenous people who were just thanking me for speaking about the spirituality of bees. And it was then that I realized, gosh, yes, we're at a scientific bee conference with wonderful speakers, wonderful talks. But as spiritual as you get is somebody standing on stage and explaining why they don't use chemicals in their hives or they don't feed sugar and then sharing the science behind why they don't do that. So to have one somebody speaking from the heart and really sharing what I've learned from experience and what I feel the bees want me to share with people and to know that it resonated with that audience that day was just so special. And then there were people who 
from the audience who offered to translate for me because I had Colombians, I had um, Peruvians, I had Chilean, you know, people, Mexicans, Brazil, people from all these South American countries who work with bees in a very spiritual way, who are working with the stingless bees, they're working with wild bees. And to be able to hear me speaking about them, it just made them feel, made us all feel we're not alone. We're not the only people that feel the bees are communicating with us. And that to me was the greatest honor. I was gifted honey shampoo. I was gifted little pots of honey. I was gifted um, some incredible Colombian coffee. Now, I don't drink coffee um, and I didn't think I could bring it back in my luggage. So we drank the coffee. We bought ourselves some little tea flasks with tea strainers in that you can get in Chile, which is really difficult to get here, but you could get them in Chile. And so every morning we'd have some of our Colombian coffee. And I don't drink coffee, partly because I don't need that adrenaline rush. And also it's a bit bitter. I just don't like the taste of it. But this coffee was so very, very smooth. In fact, I'll just see if I can. Here we go. This is the company. This is the card. So if ever you are in Colombia or if ever you are knowing, looking up for um, for coffees, Paraquito Broncado, I will put it in the notes so that you can see who these people are. But this lovely business card, and there it is at the back, Dicolina, Lindero. Oh, and they are on Instagram. Are they on Instagram and Facebook? So there we go. I will share those in the notes. Um, so, yeah, it was a real honour and it made me realise this is why I speak, but also why it's important that I do speak from the heart, that I don't dampen down what I'm trying to say, that I do share what I'm learning, what I'm feeling, and tomorrow I'm heading off to Turkey to speak at another scientific conference. And I am, if not the only, one of the only um, non-professors, non-doctors speaking. And it's the first global apitherapy conference being held at Dagem or Dolce University um, in Turkey. So it's about two hours east of Istanbul. And again, I'm really looking forward to sharing my talk. And I've done a new presentation for this one, but it's inspired by what I spoke about at Chile. And it's about what the bees are trying to tell us. And what I'm hoping is that I can inspire these apitherapy doctors to not forget about the spirit of the bees and about the energetics of bees. And for us not to treat bees allopathically to not think oh yeah the bee produces a sting we need this many stings to heal this many people it's looking at the energetics of the individual who needs healing and the energetics of the colony the beehive and what are they trying to help us with and how can we work in synergy with the bees to ensure that everybody maximizes their health so I'm going to talk more about Rapa Nui and Easter Island so that I can share some of the information from there. Um, but for now, I just wanted to give you a taster about where I've been, what I've been doing and what really moved me. So thank you very much. And until next time, thank you for listening. Do share it with anybody you think who would find this interesting. 
and do comment below if you've been to Santiago or if you've been to Apamondia. I'd love to know what your thoughts and feelings are. Bye. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B. Brook. And the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on Creating a Buzz Open About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.